0: podcast is part of the sports
1: social podcast network. He gives us VIP access gets us straight in. Um and that means we've we've ticked off Frank Warren and
0: Eddie Hearn. Might even give us a few more votes in the podcast awards to try and beat our man how our guest today George who we got. It's Coogan Cassius. Oh, he's an institution of British boxing.
1: He was I film London I think to start I film London TV I he films stuff and um, yeah we're gonna hear about you know his descent into boxing how he thinks boxing's changed you know he was one of the first maybe not the very first but one of the first um in the uk definitely on the scene who was doing the long form sort of interview and he just got great access so we as the fans got to listen to stuff that we otherwise probably would never have had a chance
0: he changed the game he's a genuine game changer in the club can't wait to hear what he's got to say let's get him in
1: today deck we have a game changer in the club another one he's the man behind ifl tv and someone known throughout the boxing world even if he doesn't wear gloves he's usually the one holding the mic but today he's in front of it of course it's coogan cassius coogan thanks for coming in mate. thanks for joining the club who wrote that script I wrote it. It's bloody good, isn't it?
2: Air. Sounds very you, George, yeah, to be so, fair. No, well, I didn't write it. Sounds so. very you. Look, you look very um, very well turned out today, Coogan. Well, I thought it was being filmed. <laughs> so I put a matching track suit on for a start, done my hair, come, come in I was like, where's the cameras? You're like, no, it's audio. Yeah, it's audio it's only. only. It's fine. Let's go right back to the very start.
0: IFL TV, when we, well, I film London as it was. 2010? No. Correct. 2010. 2010. Because it was about the same time that I started getting paid to do journalism as well, as well and that was a long time
2: ago. But back then, it was there weren't, there weren't many YouTubers in press conferences, were there? There was no one. Yeah, We have to make reference to, and this wasn't a reason why I got into it, but the original kind of YouTube boxing person mm-hmm. was Ellie Seckback probably, I don't know, maybe four or five years before IFL and who started off not in boxing, was interviewing people like Kobe Bryant and all like major, major NBA stars, got into the boxing thing and he's kind of like the one I always say that he's the original pioneer of YouTube boxing and if people don't agree with that, that's not really up for debate because he was. It wasn't a reason why... We started doing what we were doing back in 2010, but he was the original one and deserves a mention. So, but that was you, you're dead right. But he was in America only; you'd never see him over here. Yeah. So there was there was a big gap for the, for Ellie Seckback back over here. The original press conferences we used to go to, and they involved the early fights. One of the first ones was Matthew Hatton fighting Roberto Bellagio, I think his name is, with the European title in Bolton. But that was like early stages of 2010, uh, which was the back end as we come into 2011. Your fight with James Gale was, I think, the most high-profile fight that we covered first But that was the first introduction for IFL or IFL London back then into boxing. And that was, at that point, was like a fucking huge event Mm. Frank Warren put on. Was you welcome? Did you get any time
1: from the promoters? Did you get any time from the journalists or the fighters?
2: Well, before I got actually introduced to Frank Warren, the person that actually got us in even to that press conference, but it was Francis Warren that we were talking to at the time and said like, this fight happening this week. I was thinking like, what, we can come to it. It's like, yeah, come to it. That's the first time I met Frank Warren and that was the first, it was May of 2011. And then after that, like I said, Rocky Fielding winning prize fighter up in Liverpool. I think he was the only one to ever have stopped his three opponents. First time I met Eddie Hearn. Just did yeah, was going around just interviewing people. Because you was interviewing
1: everyone. How much background stuff Would you having to do beforehand was you doing was you Was you really
2: diligent with your notes to make sure you
1: asked the right questions were you a bit more nervous right, let's just, just clarify something
2: straight away I've never written any fucking notes right it's probably because I'm. that's why I'm like a 4 out of 10 interviewer but I've never actually written anything down to read to anyone just turn, going to the events asking kind of thoughts ahead of the fight blah, blah blah similar shit to what we do now but just yeah just less profile back then mm. you paint the picture
1: like You know them people that cover... Hurricanes, and then they have the run quickly to catch it. Is that why you like, well, was like, "It is a, a, a fighter. Get over there, get him." That's yeah. not too far off. To Especially in that.
0: those those some of those shows. Cause I remember at the time, like, if you go to your call and there's a show, like a Steve Goodwin show, whatever it might be, you would be the only people there. Yeah, you might have someone from the boxing news doing it, but yeah. don't get in the paper. Don't. There was no other YouTubers. It would literally be so. A lot of these fighters would be like never done an interview apart from with Coogan or James
2: at that point. Correct, and they love and they loved that, didn't they? And that yeah. was
0: where the, where the relationship started.
2: Yeah. And, and listen, a little bit of background on that. Obviously, when me and James Elder started, I film London back in the day, predominantly started on film sets and film premieres. Loads of stuff kind of away from boxing. When it rolled into boxing, everything else kind of filtered out. But at press conferences, there was no other cameras there apart from us, iFilm London back then, and the broadcaster
1: did you know people would want to watch a press conference at that point
2: like it was brain dead content for us to film do you know what i mean it was there for us to film and some of the best footage we filmed for the first sort of few years it's different now because everyone's filming the same thing a press conference now doesn't have the same weight as it done like eight nine years ago because if you think you watch it on Sky Sports News, if it, if that's what it was on, or you watch it on i from London, and and that was it. That was the choice. But now it's like it's like with social media. Obviously, everyone's filming press conferences, so the relevance around that has become less for us to film press conferences. We still film them, but back then some of our big clips were from pressers. Yeah, not even the promoters would be filming their own pressers at that point.
1: And the broadcaster would film the entire thing, but would show not for YouTube the chunks, though. Yeah, yeah. not the, for YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, bit that's I mean. It would just be a little bit... It so was then... the
2: only place you could go really to watch a presser. Timing-wise for us, it was perfect. I think um, we started at a time where it wasn't a thing here. That kind of got us on the ladder to carry on to where we are now. But I think um, it's good because you look now, all press conferences, whether it's in the UK, in America, Saudi, wherever it is, and the majority of the media are YouTubers. I don't think YouTube boxing channels or kind of stuff that's related to online still gets the same kind of, say, respect, but some people are still in the mold of, like, if you're not written, you're in that bracket of YouTubers, when really, if you take out the YouTubers out of press conferences they're dead, dead when Conor Ben and Chris Eubank Jr. announced they were going to fight so the
0: biggest one of the biggest British fights in recent years in terms of like interest the written section that we did I think there was me and three others four people and there was a time when you have 15 or 20 journalists there, there were four people and then outside the door there was fifteen, twenty cameras. Correct. So you just see the change in like consumption, really. And I think promoters are picking up on that. They don't care that much about the written word that much anymore because it's becoming irrelevant to the consumer who consumes it via YouTube. What, just one, peddling back to the Fury-Klitschko fight in particular, right? And it's a problem that you had That one, I remember there was one particular clip of Tyson where he got in trouble for it. Some of the stuff he said in your video. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. At that point, you just stuck everything out and you didn't realise or was there a danger that someone could say something mental and there's no me- There's no legal department at IFL? This is a great
2: question. I'll Thank tell you. you why it's a great question because it took a little while to realise that you know that old concept of boxers need saving from themselves yeah, yeah. in the ring. They also need fucking saving from themselves outside the ring and the person that taught me this was Billy Joe Saunders because I'd do some interviews <laughs> with Billy Joe Saunders right where he would say some really fucking fucked up shit and then one so I put it out in the build up to the fight with Eubank. I went up to Billy Joe after he did the interview, and I was like, "Bill, are you sure about what you said there?" This interview, by the way, I'm not going to make reference to it, but it's still online now. I said, "Bill, are you sure what you said?" Let me just remind you. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, stick it out, stick it out." Got in the car. I was at Frederick's restaurant in um, in, in in Islington. and uh, I rang him up again. I went, "Bill, are you sure you want this out?" He went, Cook, put it out, mate. It's fine." Yeah, I meant everything I said. I'll like, oh, stick it out. Then I was looking at the interview, thinking to myself, "What's the fucking point of asking someone like Billy Joe?" whether you want it out. I think you've got to have the common sense to realise. And that was kind of a turning point, especially around that time with Tyson Fury as well. Tyson was in kind of a phase in his life where he said a few things that were being picked up on. And I was like, Again, I'd always check. If I think to myself, well, I'll check. But then if they said it was all right, I think, well, they said it was all right. Mm. But then it got to a point where I thought, hang on a minute. I can't really trust the judgment of, of Billy Joe or Tyson or someone else telling me that it's all right to go out because they were considered. Tyson, not so much now. Billy Joe, a little bit of that now. No filter. Put it out. Don't care. who gives a fuck? So sometimes it's a case of like, using com- your common sense. And I've cut stuff out of Billy Joe's interviews before, and I ain't even told him, from what you're saying now, that kind of time where a lot of them stories, one of them was picked up on the- with the mail where Tyson got a lot of criticism for for some of his comments. That was a learning curve for me to kind of just work out that there's no point asking some people you can ask and some people come back to you within an hour and go do you know what actually didn't really mean to say that can you take that out or whatever so that's you getting in trouble with well not you getting in trouble that's
0: tyson getting in trouble for saying something that you broadcast but then on the other hand then especially when you've got two promoters always going at each other when someone says something about the other that's defamatory have you had heat from the other person going you can't say that about me on your channel and
2: then you have to cut that out. Well, listen, the biggest rivalry at the promoters has been obviously between Eddie and Frank. Yeah. And obviously a lot of those videos over the last 13 years have gone back and forth. And there have been things where things have been flagged more so from legals. So it's not like Frank ringing me up or Eddie Earn's like lawyer or solicitor ringing me up and going blah, blah. You know, I remember one Frank Warren pulling out contracts, the letters, yeah. the etc. The, the et yeah. It was brilliant. It was brilliant to watch. I mean, now, I mean, that was you're talking probably that was about eight or nine years ago. Uh, would Frank be that passionate to, to do that? Where that period of time has passed and that rivalry with Eddie Hearn has kind of mellowed out to a certain degree now. But yeah, there has been situations where things have been said within those kind of interviews where they've been kind of flagged. It's like interviewing someone straight after a fight. Hmm. Like, if I interview you straight after a fight and your emotion is fucking so high, that's not always the best time. You must have found that, Jules. Like, straight after a fight isn't always the best time for someone to stick a camera in your face because that's when you're you're most vulnerable. Yeah, you want to give your best work. Yeah,
1: maybe you haven't had a chance to compose your feelings and emotions and and give, sort of figure out what the messages you want to get across, whether you've won or lost, whether you've beat a rival, whether you're trying to now set out for the next fight. But at the same time, you know they're the sort of the priceless moments. I film will get an opportunity to come in my changing room after my fight with just my family and team because you can trust that you'll set the scene right. You'll ask the right questions and I'll get whatever message I need to get out there and then. Ultimately, it's, it's sometimes it's quite nice to look back at footage of yourself or footage of your team or footage of mm. something else and reminisce about those those times. So that would probably leads on to a question I want to ask is that you were first in the door as such. So that's why you led from the front to start with, but that's not enough to stay where you are. What is the art of a good interview?
2: Every good interview that I've done, well, the majority of them, are based on your relationship with that person. It's all to do with that because I'll give you an example of your f- first frotch fight. I came into your dressing room, and that was the first time I'd interviewed someone who had lost such a high-profile fight, and I remember walking in, and your wife was there, your family was there, and it's really fucking awkward. Like walked in there, you're obviously feeling how you are, and you did like four or five minutes with us. I think early on, where I'd kind of established a relationship with you led to that. If you didn't know me, and I knocked on the door, I ain't getting in that dressing room. So it's the same with not just situations like that, but it's the same across the board. For me, I'd always think, who's going to get the most traction... And who's going to let me talk? You know, like who's going to let me get
1: my point across? Because you, you're very good at op- uh, asking a very open question, like which I think is underrated and never quite used enough. You know, most of our interviews start with hey George because I'm not fighting us. You all right? What are you up to? <laughs> and then it's like. <laughs> I can, any, there's any, I can Ground give. Groundbreaking. <laughs> no, 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 no. no, no, no. But oh, you mean? Is I, know because I mean. can give any answer I want, you know, rather than what did you make of uh, such and such fight? And then you'll give me two, two options. Did you think this happened or do you think that? And it's like, oh, all right. Well, you've already answered the question for me. I'll go with that one then, you know, and that's usually how a lot of interviews take place. And that's, I think you, you get a much better organic sort of answer if you just literally ask. Such a wide open question. And then go with it, and then you've got to be able to shapeshift and go with the the answer, and again just ask another open ended question, and that's kind of what you you guys were really good at. It seems like you care because you're asking a question and then you're listening. Ultimately, we want to hear the questions you're asking, but we don't necessarily need to hear your opinion or Umar's opinion or James's opinion on everything every interview. Totally agree. Otherwise, we'll just watch your podcast that you're doing a fight review the end of the show and that'll be that and then once you've broke that barrier of the relationship then shoulders loosen they open up a bit more they might show a bit more personality and then you can have a bit of to and fro banter and then you let a little bit of humor come in and that's like you know you you'd enjoy an interview with someone you knew because we'd start and I'm eyeing you up and down because it doesn't matter what your first question is I'm thinking I'm, gonna, I'm not going to answer it I'm yeah. going to make fun of something <laughs> and it might be funny and it might land or it might not you might look at me and go George you're fucking weird <laughs> <laughs> Paul Smith says just, you're weird <laughs> yeah. you're weird and I go yeah but
2: Cougar gone head to toe matchy I didn't know we were supposed to dress like this today I've jelled my hair you know? regardless of whatever if you're fighting James Gale and I say I think James DeGalle knocks George Groves out in four rounds if I come to you the next day your mindset talking to me is going to be completely fucking different whether you admit it or not mm. you're going to think this fucker just said yesterday that I'm getting stopped in four rounds by DeGalle I know this right and you may say different but I've been in situations before where there's been closed fights or draws or like robberies and people have asked my opinion off camera and I've said it and I've had murders with boxers and their teams. The fuck do you know? Well if you don't want to know don't ask me. Or a opinion before a fight. I had one a year ago. A Brit fighting someone who's not a Brit I don't want to name names here. I was asked the opinion by the trainer of the Brit what do you think happens I said this is three hours before we were going over to where we were going to I said look this ain't the right time to answer I said, no come on get off the fence fucking do-. and almost goading me into going whatever I-? I think the other fire <laughs> he's win- gonna say it <laughs> wins on, on points That's what happened. But I'm thinking, really, if you're asking a question, don't be surprised by an answer. Mm. What do you think, Dick?
1: I've I've done done interviews with you where you've had the camera. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I agree
0: with that. 100% agree with that. But I think that nobody else in the media in this country developed their relationships like you did. So then you get a certain, you might agree with this or disagree, you get a certain theme of interview. No one will get the same interview that you would get from Eddie Hearn. And similarly, and like, that wouldn't do a journalist many favours, if you know
2: what I mean. You can't be seen as having a relationship with this person. That relationship thing within boxers is absolutely key. And there's not really, I've never ever fallen out with any of the boxers that I've interviewed. I've had moments where people have rung me up, but it's usually because of something else someone said. Mm. I could interview you, right? And you could slag James to go off. And I could have had James to go, well, I didn't, by the way, by the way, I'm not just using this example. James to go, ring me up and go, what the fuck was that interview? And having a go at me, I'm like, I didn't fucking say it. But in situations I've had boxers ring me up or message me about interviews that we've done, not because I have said anything or one of my interviewers or someone who works for me said anything, it's because that interview's been put out. I do think as well, there's been a lot of times where you would get stuff that none of us would. Sometimes nobody gets near AJ, but you do. Yeah, I mean, I remember after the Ruiz fight... It's almost like you test the water in them situations. I'm almost waiting for him to say to me, Do you want to do something? Not mm. he's gonna to wanna to do that, I'm just saying to you, testing the water. But yeah, you're right. In that situation, he's looking and thinking, Oh do you know what? And same with you, even after the second frotch fight, I remember you coming out of um Wembley and I was there it wasn't a case of me holding my camera and go George 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 but it was George that came up to me Had a brief chat and then he still did like two or three minutes which he's always done and you've got to remember as well there's a lot of people that are not fucked around boxers that have lost like this is like a real misconception of like people thinking that everyone gives a fuck they don't especially in early years you lose I think it was it Sergio Martinez said that when he won his first world title we had like 200 missed calls and when he got beat to uh, whoever it was, there was like literally like two people in the dressing room had one missed call on his phone. Boxers, to a certain degree, they do remember those moments. Actually, when I got beat, where the fuck were you? Now I'm fighting so and so for the world title or I'm back in the limelight. Now you want to know you stuck
1: to the rules of not siding with a fighter, but have you ever come unstuck? Say you do an interview with Anthony Joshua. You've had a right good time. There's loads of banter, loads of fun. loads. Of, he gave you really good work and you've left. You've done fist bump, high five. Work. And then the following week, he thinks this Tyson Fury fight's going to get made and we're really good mates. And Coogan's definitely, he's my mate and he definitely thinks I'm going to win this. And then the following week, he sees you do an interview with Tyson Fury and you're best mates with Tyson Fury as well. Does he think... He's a fucking two-faced bastard.
2: I can't really answer in terms of boxers, those kind of rivalries, what people thought about my relationship with the opposing fire. And, and a better example than Joshua and Fury is Kell Brook and Amir Khan, because at points I'd get like people from Team Brook going, "You're an Amir Khan fanboy," and I've got people from Amir Khan's team going, "You're a Kell Brook fanboy." Like some people think that I'm actually like, oh, Team AJ. Some people think, oh, I'm Team Fury. I'm like, someone's saying this and someone's saying that, that really probably means you're team no one. If someone's saying to you, you're this, and actually, no, you're that, no, it probably means you're actually team no one. But people get confused when they watch interviews with the rapport and the, the relationship you have with that person to how they judge your friendship with them. You can watch something and you can gauge a relationship, especially, if you're doing it for 13 years. Best interview, who pops up in, in your head and then, obviously we know you get great ones with
0: Eddie and whatnot but is there any that you can think of that you were like, fuck me, that was a good one? Yeah, not in boxing.
2: It's one I've done that interview with Jack Wilshere which was a uh, Frank Warren show. <sighs> well, yeah, but that's you're not a big Arsenal fan. At the time, he was kind of like a very prominent up-and-coming figure at Arsenal, and then he was at a Frank Warren show, and then I had like three minutes with him. My interview with him was everywhere. The quotes went mental, didn't mental, they? Like he talk- said he'd stay there forever, or something. Yeah, he said it's Arsenal forever. But that was the first thing that was kind of a, a more of a satisfaction thing for me in terms of football uh, or an interview basis, where I got to interview someone kind of high-profile and got something that was quite relevant to myself as opposed to just going out in the media. But in terms of boxing interviews, probably the the first day I ever interviewed George, obviously. Yeah, that's number one. I think the first time I interviewed Nassim Hamid, and I met him, it was at Kel Brook and Matthew Hatton. Nassim Hamid, the first time I interviewed him, and he knew who I was... And then I didn't even realise sitting next to me until I watched it back was Dynamo. So Dynamo <laughs> was sat next to me and I didn't even realise it. Yeah. never know. It, he either. just appeared. Yeah. <laughs> he just appeared, yes, absolutely. But that was a nice moment, like Nasim, because he was the first person I even started watching boxing for. So that first moment of interviewing Naz. And then after that, I mean, look, there's... Loads of moments, good interviews, funny interviews, et cetera, et cetera. But to pinpoint one specifically that sticks out uh, is very difficult. Got any memories
0: of, and I know we had some in Vegas and stuff, we used to have a lot of this where you try and interview someone and they were particularly difficult or spiky. Although to be fair, most of them knew you. Do you know remember what? That? I I'll be people- honest with
2: you. It was easier to get interviews when we yeah. like years ago because there's probably less media there. And I remember like just rocking up to people like, like getting Holyfield and stuff. Yeah, like Andre Ward. All these people, you just go up to and go, "Have you got a minute?" And they'll always do it now because there's so many people on them. It is a little bit subjective of who they or the time they've got in order to do these interviews. But it was a lot easier. To get content, when I was first going to America back in, what, 2012, I think my first trip was. uh, I remember you trying to get Mike Tyson once he wouldn't have it. Remember that? He was like, get the camera out of my face. Oh, my God. And I was obviously only about three years into this or four years into this. He was walking through the MGM Grand... So, I, I was walking alongside, holding the camera for about 30, 40 seconds. If I'd just said nothing, I would have just got probably him walking along. I've literally... So, I'm holding it, holding it here, held the camera into his face. I was like, Mike, who's going to win the fight tonight? And he went, get that damn camera out of my face. And he said a word after that. Expletive. You, you know. And I was like okay Mike <laughs> I just stopped and let him run like right. carry on walking after that I thought do you know what
0: I remember you you had it on your laptop the footage you were what shall I title this as yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was never ever gonna, that's a yeah. lie
0: I was never gonna ever put you that were, out Yeah, brilliant so Mike Tyson was spiky I got him that day he sat down with me for 20 minutes yeah. <laughs> but I, but I used to message him all the time because you be it, basically and the thing is with, I must point out the graft you do especially back then, was ridiculous. Like 20 hours a day graft because you, you're worried that you might miss something because there's always people dropping in and I'd be messaging them. maybe going, are you be going, are you at the media room? But like, yeah, yeah. Um, George Foreman, no, uh, Larry Holmes just turned up. He's doing a half an hour sit down. Nowhere to be seen and you come <laughs>
2: sprinting down in your pyjamas trying to get Larry Holmes. <laughs> it's like, <anybody> here. yeah, <laughs> even yeah. here? Yeah, No, but those like, earlier days in Vegas... They were ridiculous. They were good because we literally would go there at nine in the morning for when the media centre opened and then literally we would leave there at like one, two o'clock where mm. we'd sit there because you don't know who was going to walk in at whatever point. It's still the same in Vegas, mm. to be honest with you. If you just dedicate your whole day to doing that, you don't know who's going to walk in.
1: must be different in the States as well, just because it's so vast like, as a country. And then they, stay, do, different, they do media differently, don't mm. they? It lasts longer. And they got so many more stars that could show yeah. up.
0: Yeah, and loads more YouTubers at that point as well. There'd be right. shitloads of them. Not as many as you think. There though. were loads. That, but even then... they were ahead of the curve in terms of the online media really led the way in comparison to like the written media you might get a couple of journalists who wrote it's
2: kind of evening out a bit now in english i, I used to be able to interview people in the middle of the lobby if you set a camera up in the middle of the mgm grand you would literally before you would put your tripod up you'd be fucking told mm. no like get out not filming Like i used to film literally in the middle of the lobby this was like 2012 whatever mm. now it's completely different you can't film anywhere on the MGM thing unless it's in the media room I mean do you remember when um, this is a great one
0: when we were in the mid, in the lobby and just hoped that people float in and get them because there would always be loads it was the build up to when James the girl was going to box Brandon Gonzalez at, at Wembley Yeah, and I was like that's Brandon Gonzalez over there it was just some other bloke it was just some bloke oh. I was not like, Brandon Gonzalez I was like it's Brandon Gonzalez and you went over to him and asked him are you Brandon Gonzalez he's like nope <laughs> <It's terrible laughs> oh, I forgot on that, but thanks. For, f- thanks for doing that. <laughs> never forget that. Thanks for doing that. We never got Brandon Gonzalez. No, there was a time when you worked for Box Nation, so you used to get good seats. What's the best fight you've been
2: at, and what's the best spot you had? Best spot was Khan Canelo. For some reason, I ended up sitting next to the timekeeper. <laughs> Give you a hammer. <laughs> no, honestly, my seat was put from Box Nation. Literally, the best seat I've ever had at a boxing fight. Apart from Hatton Pacquiao, I was sat next to the timekeeper. So that was the best seat that I've ever had. Fight wise, did I want the one that always springs to me as the best kind of away trip was Brook and Porter. I was a proper fanboy then. Like, Amir Khan wouldn't have wanted to watch videos of me, which are still on YouTube, of me celebrating Kel Brook's win. But that that one now, because at the time, Sean Pauler was the next Mike Tyson. Don't care what anyone says, I remember all the things he was going to iron out Kel Brook. And to go out there, that's got to be, over the last 20 years, one of the best away wins from a British fighter, Kelbrook against Sean Ball, 100%. Mm. The...
1: Have you got any advice mm. for any up-and-coming content creators in the boxing space? Is this
0: for you? It might be. Let's just say we'll be taking notes.
2: I think the best thing is just you got to answer yourself a simple question of why you want to do it. Because if you want to do it because you're a fan of boxing, have a think about that. Because how long are you going to do that for? There's been loads of YouTubers that have come in because they love boxing. But the reality is most stuff that we do is in the day. If you're trying to turn it into a business to earn money from, it's a fucking long process. If that's what you want to do, no problem. But the problem is, it's like I always say to everyone or people that ask, just be everything. But I'm telling people to do that. I don't know what they're doing day to day. They might go to work, et cetera, et cetera. Like, to take out, like, if you've got three press conferences or three media things in in a week, well, you're going to take three days off work. So you've got to ask yourself what you're doing it for. If you want to try and build something, which now, to be honest with you, if I had to start again now, I wouldn't bother. If I was full of the idea now to get into YouTube boxing and there was already IFL there, and there was already seconds out behind the gloves, whoever, if they was already out, all, all these channels were already out there, including my own one, I don't think I would bother. But that's different for me. If I was 20, Hmm. it'd be different. Maybe I have a different mindset. But right now, just ask yourself that simple question of why you want to do it. If you're trying to earn money from it, that's a tall order. IFL has massively influenced the way that this sport has grown over the last 13, 14
0: years, 10, 15, whatever, because of that level of coverage and the way that the boxers, particularly the less... Significant ones, the more marginal ones, have been people have been able to consume or have access to those thanks to you, and then also thanks to the, the many outlets that followed. Without it, British boxing would have been very different over the last 10 years.
1: And we're back in the room. Each week, Coogan Cassius, we have a feature. For our chosen guest feature, usually is a quiz. We need a name of the feature, and I'll throw something really rubbish into the group chat. Deck will quickly up level it. If they're still struggling, Tom yeah. Fordyce will come in, someone with a couple, will someone jump or come in. in. Ross will come in with something. Ross will come in, um, and it's then me and you a bat about for a while. Yeah. And then I'll just pick my favourite, whether it's favourite or not. <laughs> this time I didn't even, I didn't even nobody think I threw, was involved no one threw nothing in no feature has to relate to the guest somehow you're Coogan Cassius I wasn't sure if you spelled Cassius with a K as well no I thought what do I know about Coogan I film London it's not I film London it's I film TV so,
2: not even that we we'll are go on carry on
1: what is it again now <laughs> IFL, <laughs> so, IFL TV,
2: TV. Over, a, over 10 years over well a billion views
1: over a billion views chop that get that head yeah. straight it's yeah. now IFL TV <laughs> <laughs> but before all this, mm. we knew you was destined for greatness. A man of many talents, was you on EastEnders? Yes, of course I was. Of course he yeah. was.
0: He's everyone's favourite EastEnder.
1: I went for an EastEnders meets Boxing Base quiz. The feature is called, of course, Albert Square Gardens. It's the worst feature name ever, but the feature is really good. What's the Gardens bit?
2: Like Madison. Oh my God. You should
0: have called it Albert Square Circle. See, this is why you knock it around, or could have
1: done something with the Queen Vic. Anyway, you're our guest, Coogan. Do you want to go first? Oh, no. What's the premise? What, what? Right. It's, uh, it's, it's a quiz of questions, right? You go, I go. I've got a tiebreaker if there's a draw. I'm going to give you a clue. Both questions have the same answer, right? Oh. <laughs> What? <laughs> so you might you might not know the first question. Ah, uh, but you'll have a you go. You might know the second one. The first question will be EastEnders related. The second question will be boxing related. Both answers the same. Go Do you right. want to go first or second? I'll go first. Right, here we go. Cheeky. Right, first of the questions is last name of the character who accidentally killed his best friend Jamie. Second part of the question is Liverpudlian middleweight who won gold at the Commonwealth Games 2014. Jamie who? I don't know. I've only read Jamie. <laughs> Kill Jamie. He's, I'll tell you is
0: is is the actor who played Jamie was called Jack Ryder, but it's nothing to do with John Ryder. <laughs> oh, Mitchell.
1: <laughs> Can you throw it to me, please? Mitchell, so Kevin I fucking Mitchell. This? No, Kevin I'll pass Mitchell, it to <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was Martin Fowler who killed Jamie and it was therefore Anthony Fowler who yes. was at the Commonwealth Games right. Mitchell. So, so what I'm, I would just have one,
1: say Fowler at that point just say Fowler ok 1-0 to me thank you no, oh who killed him he killed Jamie by accident right luckless character who was married to little Mo with retired oh. West Ham lightweight the retired West Ham lightweight is Mitchell that's the answer Mitchell Billy Mitchell yes yes <laughs> Billy Mitchell lovely All 2-0 right. me thank you back to you Coogie right Right, redhead with love interest Ricky and U.S. Virgin Islands puncher. I know it. Pressure.
2: No, I'm, I'm going from these. I want to. I want to think of it. You know more about each no, so. than boxing. <laughs> <laughs> redhead Jackson. Yes. Oh, strong Johnny Jackson. No, that's the Swind- former Swindon to Charlton.
0: The guys an, um. Andy Lee, Lee knocked out. But who's his dad? One of the biggest, maybe the biggest what, pound for pound puncher in history. Randy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> Julian. Jackson. Julian Julia Jackson. Jackson, yeah. Yes. You don't get that, though. No, you oh, went. You got it with Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, you got Jackson. Jackson, you got it.
1: Female character, big earrings. Right. First name of the 2012 Olympic silver medalist. Pat. Yeah. McCormick. Yeah. Yeah, boy. Right. It's the first name of a former landlord of the Queen Vic brand of boxing glove worn by Bernard Hopkins. No one called rival or everlast <laughs> than the, the Queen Vic. Get out of my pub. Uh, Grant. Yes. <laughs> First name of a fish shop owner. Yep. I've got it. Out. Yeah, yep. yeah. right. Former bantamweight British champ who has wins over Lee Haskins, Jason Booth, and Martin Powell. Ian. Yeah. Oh, Ian Napper.
2: Yes. Ian Napper. Oh, Napper. Yes. Right. I you love go, Ian Napper. Right. Terrible this is going. Back to
1: you, Coogie. Right, yeah. listen. What is the score? 4-2. I think 4-2. It's, two, it's yeah. really close. I'm taking a pity. Right, first name of character with daughter, Lauren. German heavyweight world champion from the 1930s.
2: Max. Yes. Oh, I love that. Max. Schmeling. 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 Branning. <laughs> right. That's a great name, isn't it? Schmeling Branning. <laughs>
1: Right, I can't say this word, so I don't want to embarrass myself. First name of Trinidadian, Mm -hmm. Walford resident. Danish light heavyweight Southpaw, brother Mickey. Patrick
2: Nielsen. Yes. Yes. Fucking easy.
1: Patrick (laughs) Truman. Patrick Truman. Truman. (laughs) Truman. (laughs) I love Patrick. First name of character who has half-siblings, Ian and Simon, with first name of boxer who appeared in season 12 of I'm a Celeb. David. Yes, Wicks and ho. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you get this one right, Deck. Yeah, I'm the winner. It's tiebreaker time, right? Oh, what? I'm oh, <laughs> fucking winning. We
0: talking about? No, Going
1: tiebreaker time. Right? What are you on about? First name of character who arrived in 1998 to buy the market seller and rename it E20. And no idea. First name of US referee with expressive eyes. Steve. Yeah. Steve Lillis
0: No, Steve Willis. <laughs>
2: Oh, Steve know. Willis. Yeah, and I, I know. Can I get the point if I get the other one? Yeah. He, yeah. Bought, he bought
1: the. Uh, bought the Go on. Steve Owen. Yeah. Yeah, up there.
2: Steve tiebreaker. Oh, oh,
1: that's a bonus five points for <laughs> Kool.
2: Tiebreaker time. This is a great quiz. Yeah, well is. done. For this. this is going to be in the running for awards at the end of the year. I can't believe right. I didn't get Julian Jackson. though. Yeah. I did get it, but Wick, yeah, Go Randy on. Jackson.
1: <laughs> Second tackle, Peggy gloves. This tiebreak is not a great question. Oh, right? great. So I'm just going and to, and I've written the question badly. So I've done that purposely, so the answer not too easy. Right? So think EastEnders theme tune. Right? Anyone can fall into a loss to Peter Quillen and David Benavides. Who lost to Quillen? Vo- Anyone, Anyone can, can fall, fall into fall? a loss to Peter Quillen and David Benavides. Love more and do. Yeah, I just <laughs> love and do. Anyone can fall in love. Love and
0: Jay Leon Love Jay Leon Love someone who we used to see a lot of in Vegas so in those Leon days because he, yeah. he was in the money team in the money team in the money team well did I win then yeah you win I that. said you love more and it. do but
1: yeah I win that thank like you Albert Square Gardens so Coogan you're a podcaster oh, through yeah. and through now yeah and I've appeared on the latest season have you I mean like I'm not like a big hitter mm. do you know what I mean how
2: did that one go down uh, everyone said you were weird yeah <laughs> My
1: missus weren't happy. She was like, what do you answer all them questions like that? I said, I didn't, like, you asked quite hard questions. Mm-hmm. They weren't they were really questions- They weren't hard. I can see how some people, you would want to give it to them and get an organic, off-the-cuff answer, but for me, your questions, for I would need a little bit of time to sit and have a
2: little Do you know what? I think mm. in your one, Raw the Fight Within, That's out it. Mondays, yep. anyway, available on Spotify, Apple, and all major podcast platforms, I think with you, it might have benefited you to have known the questions. I give the option. I didn't really give you the option, to be honest with you, mm. but some people prefer to just answer without having to overthink the answers, mm. but I think- for you that probably would have been more beneficial but i found it quite insightful did you include a eastenders based quiz at any point in this podcast no are you going to from here on in possibly it might be my last question you go deep dive with people and all sorts of people in it yeah i think predominantly obviously some association with boxing like ray winston for example was an amateur at repton so that was a no-brainer for me it was good because it's different from the stuff that I normally talk to boxers about I'm learning about that person whether I've known them for like 5 years or 10 years I'm still getting answers from them and if I find it quite interesting I'm assuming listening to to people that that's not stuff you'd find on ifl normally. So, I know it's a hard question to answer, but what was your favorite
0: one or what one surprised you and you're like this is fucking the, great?
2: Well, the the first one I did on him was which was with Fabio Wardley because the majority of my interviews with Fabio and Fabio is not the most outspoken mm. of boxers, but once I started kind of going into Fabio's few experiences or things that have happened in his life, I was like, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And I'm thinking to myself, this is actually good because it's the first time I've actually heard him talk about anything outside of a fight week. Mm. I've also done one with Billy Joe, which is, again, I've known Billy Joe for like 15 years but it's completely different to what I'd normally ask Billy Joe about. But it goes, to be honest with you, every single one of them, I've I've got something out of it myself in terms of learning about that person. It's a different thing, though. Like the whole podcast thing is something I've started quite late. Do you know what I mean? I only started it, what, seven, eight months ago. It's going well. I'm just trying to maintain it. You know, guys, what it's like, trying to get people on it. Mm. If you want to keep it as a weekly thing, isn't the easiest thing to do. So, IFL TV has been going 13 years, 14 years? 13 years. Over a billion views. What's yeah. next for IFL TV in a nutshell? Working on quite a lot of stuff for 2023. I'm not, it's not something that, obviously, I'm going to waffle on about now. i like to have got things done and then kind of let that speak for itself. But, yeah, I think now, like we, obviously, we spent four or five years streaming fights, which was good. A lot of good shows that IFL streamed, which we were fortunate obviously to be in a position to stream them. This year there'll be quite a few changes as such. Are we gonna see some like
1: documentary series mm. following maybe a short film? That's not the
2: angle that I was kind of um talking about, to be honest with you. That is stuff that I'd like to do at some point. I do like that kind of one-on-one documentary style footage which isn't groundbreaking or new to any aspect of whether it's sport or whatever. It's just something that I would like to do at some point. I'm getting a little gist just from talking to people like one-to-one sitting behind a table of that, because like I said, the majority of our content that we do is kind of sometimes gets a bit repetitive in terms of fight weeks, what you're asking people, reactions, all that, but that stuff kind of works as well. So, but yeah, I think um, not a new direction. Obviously I'll stick in the field that I most, love can we ask you Coogan which we ask all our guests is to give us a
1: track a song that would maybe be their ring walk track or it doesn't necessarily need to be that it could be just what you listen to in the gym funeral really song rocking. fucking hell I mean yeah stick it on funeral there funeral of who uh, well obviously me mate <laughs> oh,
0: I thought yeah. you it, it I welcome thought you to the it money team <laughs> <laughs>
2: Could be. Yeah, oh, Harlem, we Boys. Yeah, boys. yeah. Uh, any song you want, you can interpret this however you like. I To be honest with you, I, if I had one, I'd say it. But well, you better fucking think of one. I <laughs> don't know. I don't. I don't actually know. Any but... song.
1: What sort of temperament
2: do you want for your ring
1: walk? Are you focused, yeah. channelled? Are you uh, fast? Are you relaxed, chilling I- you, Emotional. You're emotional, oh, so, so we're gonna go for emotional track. Do you want it to be engaging with the crowd, or is it just for you? Uh, so is it i Sixty
2: percent for me. <laughs> And 40%, what, if the crowd sings along? I'm thinking like Dave Allen, Fields of Gold. This is weird, because I should be able to answer this. Oh, actually, I could come around I'll to this. Oh, look out. Here's my story, it's sad but true. Yeah, it's yeah. About a girl that I once knew. Wanderers.
1: It's it's not the Wanderers. Run around. So, you're now. just shadow boxing in there. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, this is, is right. Yeah, and you're coming down and fist bumping people. Yeah. Perfect. Run around, Sue. Love she was on East End as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's a wonderful one, addition. That's a wonderful
1: place to leave it, don't you think? I love it. Thanks, Coogan thanks for coming in, mate, and explaining to us well
2: how do you how you, you change your game yeah so now we can get a YouTube channel going can't we just everyone oh. just do it follow your dreams follow yeah. your dreams baby. love everyone and just follow your dreams that's that's the next podcast we're releasing is it and get guests on to follow their dreams yeah Ian Napper's up first
1: how about that then Deck how about
0: Coogan then George Coogan's in the club that was a real informative
1: one. We just assume we hear him talk more than he actually does. Whereas this is uh this is Coogan Cassius, you know. He's got his own demeanour, he's sort of like that pretend to be slightly shy, awkward. I don't really want to ask the questions, but I'm gonna ask you the questions and then look away that he does with all the fighters on camera. Whereas um this was yeah, this was him in the flesh telling us all we need to know about his rise through boxing, a little bit about his thoughts on boxing where he's going for the future um, I thought it was brilliant
0: uh, I'm sure most people if not every single person who listens to this pod knows what IFL TV is but if you don't know what IFL TV is and what Coogan along with James Helder created back in the day it's a YouTube channel first and foremost peerless coverage of boxing and like we mentioned as well he's got a podcast as well Raw The Fight Within where it sits down with, with subjects to get a little bit deeper scratches beyond uh, beneath the surface so if you like this pod you'll like that one too so go and check out Coogan's output it really is quite spectacular
1: Coogan knows about this sort of stuff and you know as the gentleman he is he's already done what is expected of all elite club members he's hit the follow button in the podcast app how can people
0: reach us if they're on kind of social media these days what what, what can they do
1: you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at Gigi Boxing Club. Go on our Twitter. There's
0: the link tree. Also on the link tree is the link to our playlist, The Ring Walk, which is on Spotify. So if you're on Spotify, get on there and you can get the Ring Walk playlist with all of those additions, including Coogan's. That's the best way to find it.
1: So if you listen on Amazon Music, you're not listening to ads on our show. Deck, we are back next week. It's a two pod week. Who have we got?
0: Well, George, it is a two pod week. We've got Easter out of the way and now we're back to two pub weeks Wednesday and Friday on Wednesday our regular programming is a belter it's a bit of a longer one because we go deep into the life and times of none other than Barry Jones
1: the former WBO super but featherweight champion of the world but well, he's taking us back I hope he takes us right back to his humble beginnings you know tell us about his boxing career because we know how great a, a pundit he is and we'll get to that I'm sure but I want to know a little bit more a little bit I didn't know about him
0: there's a lot of people who don't quite know the Barry Jones story and it's a fascinating one it's a sad one at times it'll tell us all about that and then on Friday we're back with our next installment of the GGBC and we're calling it George Seeing Stars none other than at Charlie Stewart Someone else with two first names. He suggested Friday's show should be called Seeing Stars. Obviously, if you get hit hard by George Groves, you see stars. And that's exactly what we're doing is seeing stars. And the star that we're seeing this Friday, George, is who?
1: He's a larger-than-life character, dubbed the strongest footballer on the planet whilst he was playing. His huge star online now is, of course, none other than Bayo Akinfenwaar.
0: That's a hell of a week to look forward to, George.
1: Hopefully, you might let us know how to get some strength gains as well. How to get Hench. See you next week, George. Lovely deck. See you later, mate. Sports
2: Social Podcast Network.